Welcome to the Focus on Customer Service podcast, presented by Social Media Today, where we talk to brands you know and love who are laser-focused on using social media to deliver amazing customer experiences. And now, here are your co-hosts, Dan Gingas and Dan Moriarty. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Episode 15 of the Focus on Customer Service podcast, and we are broadcasting live on Blab. And we have a special surprise for you tonight. Usually, you're used to having two Dans on the podcast, but today we have a third Dan, which I think must be setting some kind of record. So I am Dan Gingis. I am, as always, joined by my partner in crime, Dan Moriarty. How are you, Dan? Good, mate. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. And uh, today we're also joined by Daniel Zaltzman, who is the social media manager at DigitalOcean. Welcome, Daniel. How are you? Thanks, guys. It's great to be here. Hashtag Dan, Dan, Dan. I like that, Chris. Yes, we should get that hashtag trending. So, Daniel, um, we just want to start you off in case people don't know what DigitalOcean is. Can you give us a little bit of an overview of your company and maybe how you came to join the organization? Absolutely. And it's totally fine if you haven't heard of DigitalOcean for now because DigitalOcean is a company that's very focused on developers, software engineers. And what we're doing is we're simplifying the cloud for developers and providing experience that they'll fall in love with. So it's a company that was founded four years ago that really took off two years ago, and now we're past our Series B round of funding, servicing hundreds of thousands of developers and kind of creating this community of developers. And I joined because I actually had no clue what DigitalOcean was. I actually am not a developer myself, but I knew that, and I had a feeling that software engineers and just software was the whole Mark Andreessen saying, eating the world and all that. But you could kind of see all these developers building amazing tools. So I wanted to be a part of that. I also wanted to build a team from scratch. And uh, at the time, they had co-founders tweeting in the middle of the night. They didn't have any structure around who was responding to who and how they were saying it. So that presented a challenge that I would definitely want to take up. Now it's almost two years next month. And Daniel, I think that's a great place to jump in is to talk about. So when you started, you had the founders responding to tweets in the middle of the night and the challenge for you was to build a team and it sounds like operationalize that. Can you talk a little bit about the team that you've built and, and how you've operationalized that support for what I imagine is probably quite a, a social audience that you're serving with the developer community? They brought me in as a social media manager and there were a lot of different things that I could take on. There was actually no content strategy either. There was no engagement strategy. So... We're not going to talk about that here, but there, those challenges, obviously, were also really fun to take on. As far as the, the customer support aspect, it was two years ago. It was already very clear that a lot of people were tweeting and would continue to tweet about technical issues. But the thing is, just generally in the developer space, companies aren't really thinking about that user experience. Many companies in our space are focused on building their technology. They have great support. That's phone support and email support, IT support, hands-on support there, but nobody was looking at social. And that was kind of an immediate thing that I, I thought that we could take on. And instead of building a team myself in an area where I really didn't have the expertise, talking about virtual machines, virtual servers, I mean, DigitalOcean rents out space and data centers, manages that hardware, then creates a software that allows people sitting all around the world to spin up virtual machines in an instant and deploy their applications and websites, something that every developer needs at some point. And, you know, that's definitely something that was way over my head. So why not leverage the support team that's already extremely technical? Just teach them how to use social. 
And also one important piece of that was creating a brand voice. And so it would be a little messy if I just allowed all those support agents to respond as they would. And so we created a unified brand voice. The voice is called Sammy. Sammy is also the name of, I brought Sammy along. Sammy is the name of the mascot, Sammy the shark. Just so it's, you know, kind of the persona is right here. And we kind of built this persona around him. I simply created a calendar and a way to respond. And Spark Central is the tool that we use today. We used to use Sprout Social. And I'm sure we'll continue to, you know, kind of see all the tools that are in, in the deck. But yeah, that's essentially how, how that came to be. So you are the first B2B company that we've talked to on this podcast. We tend to talk to brands that are very consumer focused. Can you tell us a little broadly about what kinds of questions you get from a B2B customer who comes on to social and asks a vendor or a partner of theirs a question in that medium? Yeah. In our space, we actually have a pretty important responsibility of maintaining, making sure that all this infrastructure is up and running. Because if we're down, that means that our customers are down. And that's as we can all attest to, that's one of the worst things that you can experience. And, you know, that's something that we don't experience. It's something that happens very, very rarely with DigitalOcean. But you can imagine an individual business owner or a small company having to immediately reach out if, if their customers are tweeting at them saying, hey, we can't reach the site. You know, I was just about to make a uh, purchase and the, the site's down. They're immediately going to us. I mean, it's just boom, and it's coming through social. And, and we actually are good, are happy about that. We want them to tweet at us first because we're very fast to respond. We're ready for it. And so that's really a common use case that we see. What other stuff? I mean, you know, with developers, I just B2B, we're also a bit B2C. I think developers, the individual software engineers sitting at home late at night coding and building the next Snapchat or whatever it might be, that's our to business business. So is it the developers specifically that tend to reach out? Exactly. Interesting. And so what kinds, are they always technical questions? If it's an issue that they're having, it's a technical issue. Yeah. And Daniel, I saw one thing you guys are doing, which looked quite interesting, which is obviously you've got developers reaching out to you that you're responding to, but you also seem to have a Twitter handle that's dedicated to your status, Dio status. Was that just kind of a proactive attempt to inform your community around your guy's status? You're exactly right. And we actually learned from, I think we learned from a mistake there. One of the more common questions, and I just brought up that example is, are you guys down? And also we have data centers around the world. We have data centers in Singapore and Amsterdam and San Francisco recently launched in Canada and so on. And so those are all separate entities that can be online or offline. And what we used to do is when one of those regions was down, if it was, we would tweet out from our main account. I started realizing that why are we tweeting something about Canada to our Twitter followers who might be in Japan? It's just not relevant to them. And so with all this pushback and kind of looking at other engineering-focused companies' accounts, we decided to create a status account so that we can automatically, that's actually an automatic status. So once our system sees that something's up, it automatically sends a tweet telling our community that there's an issue. So that actually saves us tweets because people don't need to reach out to us. They can just see that the status is, you know, updated. And is, do your community like that? Have you had any feedback about it? Yeah. I mean, it's tough to engage this community in conversation that's about anything outside of this technical matter. They love yeah. to talk. Well, on that note, you actually said something at the start I wanted to jump into, which is when you started, you, know, you realized you needed to build this social care team. 
you also realized you knew nothing about developers and, and code by the sound of it and that sort of thing. So you just took the team that existed there. Can you talk about like, were they, were they phone service people? Were they, and what was their existing jobs when you went in there? Our support people? Yeah. So were they, yeah. were they phone or email or? Yeah, mostly, mostly tickets. Mostly tickets, I'd say. You know, you open up a, a support ticket, they have it on their end, on their system, whether it's Zendesk or whatever system they yeah. use. How many people are on that team? Now that team is 35 people. Okay. And so you've trained all 35 on, on being social as well? Absolutely. And can you talk a bit about that process and, and that journey? Yeah. One of the questions that I like to ask in those sessions is how do you use social in your personal life and professional life? And I've seen that even if these support agents don't have social, and sometimes I've even seen them actually respond quite negatively, they're like, you know, it's a little bit of negativity around social media. It's still that the first, they're like the face of the company. It's the first point of entry. And that's exciting for them. They're excited to be able to be in a high impact situation because a, a tweet in a way is immediately public and visible to everyone. So I try to get them excited about the opportunity. Some of them aren't, don't become social support sharks is what we call them. But most of them do take the opportunity. So we are listening to the Focus on Customer Service podcast, and we're talking with Daniel Zaltzman from DigitalOcean. And we do want to remind the folks that are listening to us on the podcast, either on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, that you can always uh, recommend brands for us to talk to on this podcast by using the hashtag FOCS. And uh, Dan and I, that's Dan Moriarty and I, have one other favor to ask you, which is if you are listening to the podcast, could you please go into iTunes or Stitcher or SoundHound and rate it for us? We really appreciate the ratings and reviews. It helps us be found more easily. So if you are a loyal listener, we really do appreciate that. So back to Daniel. So I'm interested in knowing what kind of metrics you guys look at in the social care space. Uh, and in particular, I think Dan and I want to compare them mentally to what we've been hearing from some consumer-facing brands. Yeah, one thing that is important to us is, so I, was, I divide it into three. Mentions are important because it just kind of gives us an idea of the mind share and just the the overall conversation that's happening. The funny thing about DigitalOcean is a lot of people think that we're spelled as two words, Digital Space Ocean. So whichever tools we're using, we obviously have to have two queries going and we're usually just looking proactively to find anyone who's talking about DO, as we call it internally. The next piece of it is just how many responses that we're sending out. Many of them are spam, many of the mentions that we have, because that's what happens when you have a referral program that's quite effective. People are just, you know, we have an auto tweet inside of our system that allows people to, after the end of their signup process, they auto tweet saying, please sign up for DigitalOcean and you, and you know, there's a credit exchanged similar to what you probably see with Dropbox. And then the last piece of that is the time to first response. And so the time to first response is obviously really important to us. The standard that I'm going for is really 15 minutes, but it varies because we do get questions that we've never seen before. And so we need to keep documenting those things for future support agents to be able to respond to. But you're not always going to hit that. And then there's those tweets that extend that time because you people wait for me to get into the office. I get in in the morning. And we have people, I don't know if I mentioned, but it's 24-7, 365. We have three shifts of support. We have like kind of what you would consider the nine to five day shift. Second shift is what we would consider in the East Coast a night shift. And then 
the third shift, as you can imagine, is up until the morning. And, and how does that work? Are they coming into the office? Have you enabled them to work remotely or are they overseas? The, the fortunate thing about working here is this is a company that really cares about remote culture. And we're actually at 40, I heard this, I think, I think it was 48. I think we're 48% remote. So out of 175, say 180, 48% remote and continuing to encourage that. Actually, if you go to our careers page, it's, I think half the roles, maybe more, are remote positions. Huh. So, no, there's actually nobody in the bill. I'm looking at the support desks right now, and there's probably just one person over there. They're all remote. Well, to build on Dan's question about the KPIs, so obviously there's, there's, there's the short-term KPIs, mentions, and response time, stuff like that. But from a longer-term, I guess, more business-focused perspective, do you ever get challenged around the ROI behind social care? And if you do, how do you kind of talk about it to your, your bosses? Yeah, we don't really talk about it that much. I kind of just really defend it and say it's important, and they take my word for it. The funny thing is I'm sure you've had that question is probably very different for a bigger organization. Like I've watched a bunch of your podcasts, and I think that we're probably one of the smaller startups in this room. We're at a stage where and I, and I came in, and social was already understood as being important. That's, I'm very fortunate for that. And part of the reason why I joined is because I knew that I wasn't going into a space where I would have to make that sale. I used to do that all the time for my clients when I worked at the agency, when I used to work for VaynerMedia, for Gary Vaynerchuk. No longer the case here. And, and so I don't have to defend the ROI, but that, who knows what will happen. Let's give it a try. So I'm your boss. I say, hey, I'm thinking of getting rid of social customer care. Let's just go back to email tickets. How would you pitch it? I mean, I definitely go back and look at all of the tweets that show how much people love our social support. I mean, it's almost daily that we'll see our uh, people, our community tweeted us and talk about our support. Then I would show our competitors in the space and show how silent those feeds are. I mean, our competitors are literally not even responding to anything, not support related, not love being shown or anything like that. And, you know, this is a company that's the love is one of the biggest values. And so I think that, I think that'll be a good starting point. I think it will also show that the resources aren't really huge. The support agents that do social are actually doing their support tickets in this, at the same time. And we've seen that they're actually able to maintain both those positions at the same time successfully because the social influx is not huge. And so they're able to manage both those positions. Those are two angles. How am I doing so far, boss? I'd say you can keep the program. I still find it crazy. Actually, I'm sure you listened. We had, a, we had Twitter on last week. Um, they were saying, Dan, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I want to say they said 40% of brand inquiries on Twitter go unresponded to. So that's not even general conversation. That's 40% of direct mentions to brands where there's a question, the brand itself isn't responding, which I find insane. And you've obviously just supported that story from your industry. So thanks for that. Yeah, and I mean, we're also just talking about Twitter, right? So we also have Facebook as part of the Rolodex uh, of tools that we're responding in real time to. Google+, Instagram, Reddit, Stack Overflow, Hacker News, those are all asynchronous for us. We're not responding right away. We're monitoring all of them and getting back to people. But Twitter and Facebook we're taking as real-time platforms. And the reason for Facebook, and this one is hard to explain right away because people see Facebook as, they don't see it as a completely real-time platform. But what they're doing with Messenger uh, on pages is really changing changing that for us. So we actually see a lot of our customers sneaking in through Facebook by getting real-time support rather than going with tickets. 
because you know the limitation with Twitter is the character count. And when we're talking with developers, you know, sometimes you have to copy and paste a snippet of code. Sometimes you have to go into an in-depth description. And so Twitter is kind of annoying because they know that we're going to push them back into a ticket. So some customers have figured out that, well, Facebook actually doesn't have a character limit, so why don't I try to get the real-time love over there? On Facebook, do you have that little badge, the response time badge on your Facebook page? Not yet. Not yet. I was looking at that today, actually. They just rolled out, and they've kind of done it quietly. But And Dan, you, I don't know if you've seen this, but if you have that responsiveness badge... People can now search for you inside of Messenger. So you can just type in your business, your brand name. And if you have that responsiveness, like qualification from them, you'll show up in Messenger as a way that they, how they can start a conversation without having to go to your Facebook page. So I'm expecting to see that become more and more important in the coming year. Now, one of the challenges of that, though, is that to get the badge, you have to have an average, if I'm not mistaken, of a five-minute response time. which 95% have to be less than five. So it's not even an average. It's uh, 95% of them have to be less than five minutes. Yeah, which is really, as Chris Strub has just written in the comments, probably the exact words I was going to say, ridiculously fast. I mean, some of the best brands out there on Twitter, which is Daniel, as you say, is, is seemingly more of a real-time platform, are under 15 minutes, under 10 minutes. But to be under five minutes is almost unheard of. So what do you well, make of that? Messenger is going to be different, though, right? Messenger is live chat, more so than public. Yeah, have you, guys, have you guys seen, have any of your previous guests hit that sort of response time? Uh, 95% of the time? I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm not going to do any bragging, but a company I know is there. Yeah? I'm not going to mention any names. I mean, listen, I to tell you honestly, sometimes I can't even respond to messages in my personal life 95% of the time in five minutes. Oh, my personal life is a different ball game. Dan can, Dan can attest to that. Right? Indeed. So getting back to the topic, I mean, Messenger, super fascinating kind of where that's all going to go. And I think actually it's going to tie into what I was going to ask next, which is around, I don't, don't know a huge amount about your business, but I'm going to assume that CRM is very important to you, understanding how long customers have been with you, how many people they've referred, um, their happiness with the service, that sort of stuff. Is that fair? CRM, something that you guys value? Yeah, I, lo I love that you're bringing that up because that's something that I've been thinking about for since I've started and still there's no tool that really makes me extremely happy about that. Right now our CRM is like threefold. I mean, we have our internal system, we have the system that our business, you know, and business units and our sales units are using. Well, not sales, but our business customer success team is using. And then we have the Spark Central tool, which I'm using, which is another CRM. So while there, I definitely value it, I just haven't found the opportunity to centralize all of this. Yeah. Do you do anything at the moment about taking stuff from Spark Central and putting it into your other CRM so that your sales teams, your ops teams are seeing that as well? Or does it kind of exist in three complete silos at the moment? They're in silos right now. We have not pulled them out. The only stuff that's similar to what you were talking about right now is using a tool called Social Rank, being able to export all of my Twitter followers and Instagram followers and treating them like a CRM and actually surprising and delighting the most engaged Instagram followers and Twitter followers that we have. That's not the same thing at all. I mean, just the thought of kind of cross-referencing all of our users from our internal database to our Twitter followers, it seems so important. I would love to know, like, I, if you guys answer, ask me the question, how many of our Twitter followers are our customers? I unfortunately cannot answer that today. And so that's an extremely important fact and statistic that I don't have, but would like to have. Do you guys know any tools that allow for that? Yeah, you really have to use a third-party 
data source that basically takes your data, takes Twitter's data, matches it anonymously, and can spit back that number. It won't tell you who the people are for privacy reasons, but it could tell you, hey, you have 10,000 followers and a thousand of them match your database list. That is if the information that Twitter collects matches the information you collect. So if I give you my work email address and I give Twitter my home email address, they won't match it correctly. But we've definitely seen some companies starting to do that. And that allows for better targeting as well, because if you look at Facebook, for example, uh, manage custom audiences, you can use that list then as a unique list to go target at for some of your paid placements. So it's definitely emerging. And I think over time, companies are going to have an easier time doing that. But you're right. That's generally a really big challenge, especially on Twitter, I think, where people follow companies for all sorts of reasons. They may be in the investor community, if you're, you know, especially if you're a public company, they may be just friends with some employees there. They may want a job there. They may be loyal customers. It's really hard to tell the difference there. I want to really quickly uh, recap where we are. We're here with Daniel Zaltzman from DigitalOcean. We are recording a live podcast, the Focus on Customer Service podcast, which uh, will also be recorded and available in iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And then this recording will be available on both video and audio uh, on Blab. So Daniel's kind enough to join us. We do think we're going to call in our friend Brittany from Blab and ask, but we do think we may be the first Blab ever to have three Dans as the speaker. So we're really excited to set that record. And I've also, I've opened up the fourth seat. So anybody that is watching and listening in right now, if you're commenting in the comment section, we're happy to ask your questions for you. But if you're interested, please hit join on the seat and we'd love to have you come in and ask a live question to Daniel, and uh, and we'll see how he does on his feet with questions that he doesn't know are coming. So we'd love to have you. I just want to clarify one thing that Dan said there, which is apparently we're all very excited to be on a blab with three Dans. I think talking for myself and Daniel, we're not actually that bothered. I think it's Dan Gingis that's getting very excited about the Dan trio. You know, I don't know if, I don't know if you guys know, but actually one of my side, uh, I have a side business and I write haiku professionally. So I decided to write a haiku for, for this occasion. So we could either... <laughs> You can do it at any point. Wow, that's exciting. Wow. Can I get excited about that, Dan Moriarty? Does that meet your approval? That's a way better thing to get excited about. Well, let's hear it first, shall we? All right, fantastic. Come on, Daniel, throw it out. All right. Saviors of service on purpose tweets their feats. Fam started with three dance. <laughs> wow. That is, that is exciting. Applause, applause, applause. That is fantastic. <laughs> that is absolutely, I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, the first haiku ever on the Focus on Customer Service podcast. So records being shattered tonight. First guest, Dan, first haiku. So bringing, bringing it back, one of the things we always like to ask our guest, Daniel, is just to kind of talk about one of the differences we see in social customer care is compared to traditional customer care, where you're only really dealing with people when they're upset with you. In social customer care, there's obviously that ability to have conversations that maybe exist outside of just a status breakdown. And so we like to ask for memorable conversations or enjoyable conversations that you've had with customers and whether or not you could share an example or two of those for DigitalOcean. Yeah. I mean, there are many. What's a good one? Meaningful, like, can you give an example of one? Yeah, so, I mean, so the way I think about it, right, is, is the old days of your support team, they were probably only ever talking to customers when there was a, a service breakdown, when the server was down or when they were having a problem. 
Whereas now if they can talk about you and your team can kind of jump in and have a conversation where there's actually nothing broken and there isn't help needed, but there's the ability to have a conversation that's more, I guess, relationship building rather than service focused. Do you guys do that sort of thing? Yeah, I got one. There was a, a customer who was just a developer visiting New York and this customer reached, decided to tweet at us and ask us for taco recommendations in New York City. And we responded as DigitalOcean telling him that there's a few spots in our neighborhood and we had a few exchanges and I wasn't there that day, but I think he did come by because our office is in downtown Manhattan and he ended up stopping by the office because we do have an open door policy at the office. That was a, definitely a shocker to see somebody reach out to us for taco recommendations as a customer. We do get a bunch of love randomly and it's usually quite short lived. It's usually just reaching out and saying, you know, you have great support or we love your community. It was great to meet you at the conference and things like that. And we obviously shout back with emojis and gifts. That's something that I definitely think we should take more advantage of is in, like responding with gifts. Oh my, that was perfect timing. Yeah, responding with gifts. And I'm looking forward to tools like Spark Central and different social monitoring tools actually building that in because Giphy has done such a great job of integrating into all the different sorts of uh, products. I'm surprised that it's taking this long for all these social monitoring platforms to integrate Giphy so we can start responding with really fun gifts. And you've obviously got um, a, a customer in the comments talking about the IRC channel that you guys run or moderate. Is that something that's part of your service strategy or is that just kind of an overall community effort? The IRC used to be managed by our team, but got a little bit unwieldy. So now the IRC is community run. Oh, wow. And how's that transition been from a brand owned to community run? I actually don't check into the IRC a whole lot because if I go in there, I'm probably going to stay in there for hours. And But the things I hear is that it's actually gotten quite positive and become a nice place to engage and talk about our product. And we actually do have some employees that jump in there on a, on a regular basis. And for those that are unfamiliar, can you uh, spell out IRC for our audience, please? It's a relay chat. Yeah, it's a very, very old. I, I think it's a pretty old school technology. Think of your AIM messenger, and, but it started before that and very bare bones and very old school computer science community that's on there. At least that's my perspective. I actually was more of an uh, AIM guy, so not sure. I don't know. Are you guys on RAC channels? Not anymore, but I was in my in my teenage gaming years. IRC was a big thing in my slightly uh, slightly funner days. I'm going to claim ignorance on this one, so no. And then the other thing, Daniel, we like to ask is just any advice you'd give to people. So you've obviously been through almost a two-year journey now of building a social customer care team from scratch. And we always like to ask if you, if you could talk to yourself two years ago, if you could give some advice on what you've learned over the last two years, what would you share? The thing I would share is I would actually just say that if you, like the, the very most important part is understanding who you are as a company, as a brand, and figuring out your values and what you care about. And once you have that finally documented and you have that in a place and you actually have buy-in from all your team members and all your employees, it makes it so much easier to connect on any part of the business, especially the social side of it. Because if you're a company like ours that's focused on love and community, and those are two values that are out of six, those are two, it's almost makes it just a no-brainer to have social support and uh, social customer service. So I think that some companies will not know where to start when thinking about that, when asking the question, should we have customer service on social? I think you really need to look at your values. If you don't really care about providing your customers with an amazing experience and showing them love, 
do your thing. Maybe it's not, maybe it isn't for you, but I think that, you know, we'll all agree that we really want to, you know, create more love in this world and for our customers. So it just makes sense. And that's actually, I mean, for me, it's, say that it's been one of my biggest takeaways from this podcast experience to date of all the different guys we've spoken to, how many people are referring to values being part of the driving reason for, for why they do what they do on social customer service. So out of interest, what are your other four? You said there were six, right? What's that? What am I? What are the other four? Six values: love. What was the second one? Community. Community. And then what are the other four? So simplicity is a very important one for us. If you go on the site, if you go through the experience, both of you, Dan's, would actually be able to spin up a server in the next five minutes using DigitalOcean. It's that simple. That would be the first server that I've ever spun up. So that's an interesting challenge to accept. Yeah. <laughs> Screenshot from your terminal, and you'll uh, it'll feel pretty good. The other ones are trust. Trust is a big one. Quite new values that we recently changed. Trust, honesty, simplicity, community, love, and transparency. Nice. That's a good one. Very good. I wish I had an applause button. Good job again. This is the applause button. All right, Dan. Well, uh, Daniel, with that, I think we'll wrap it up. Thank you so much for joining Dan and I today. I think it's been awesome kind of hearing what you're doing in the B2B space and uh, everything you've done there in the last couple of years. Dan, anything you'd like to, to throw in or add? No, Daniel, we really appreciate you being on. And, you know, you, it's definitely a different kind of business than we usually feature here. So we've definitely learned something. I now know that I can go spin a server. So I'm, as soon as we get off, I'm going to go try to do that uh, in under five minutes. But no, we really appreciate you taking time out and being with us. And I think what I really learned today was that although you're in a different business from what we usually talk to, a lot of your values and frankly, a lot of what you're doing in social care lines up really nicely. And, and it, uh, you know, we've definitely heard some similar things, which is really cool. So keep up the good work and, uh, and we really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me, guys. Awesome. And for everyone listening, a final reminder, if you want to nominate a future brand, Hashtag F-O-C-S. Dan and I are always keeping an eye on it. And if you nominate a brand that you like who do a great job in social customer service, we'll reach out to them and try and get them onto the show. And as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Focus on Customer Service podcast presented by Social Media Today. Be sure to tweet your thoughts and nominations for other brands to be featured using hashtag F-O-C-S. And follow Dan and Dan on Twitter at DGingus and at I am Dan Moriarty. See you next time.